0: This is the Montpelier Happy Hour on WVEW 107.7. I am your host, Olga Peters. And as you can tell, I have in the studio, because she's not in Montpelier this week, Representative Emily Kornheiser. Hey,
1: Emily. So happy to be back here in real life and freaking you out, taking pictures (laughs) and rocking out to, what's it called? The auto uh mega seg the mega seg
0: oh that sounds so 80s I know I really really does Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) it's great to be back in Brattleboro for a quick little town meeting recess
0: well we are very lucky because we have on the phone with us from Wilmington all the way across the mountains uh, representative John Gannon hey John how are you Good to you, Olga. Hi, Emily. Hi, John. Well, we are so glad for you to be joining us today. For those who don't know John, he is the rep for Wilmington, Whitingham, and Halifax. And he's the vice chair of the House Committee on Government Operations. He chairs the House Ethics Panel. And you're also part of the Sunset Advisory Commission, which I found very interesting because you're actually looking at some of the commissions Uh, that the state has an operation and and vetting them and seeing if there's something we still want to hold on to or if it's time to change them or let them go, that type of thing. Um, Anything I missed, John?
2: No, that's a good chunk of what I do.
0: (laughs) And you you
1: farm poultry, yes, in your free time? Yes, I do. Okay. In,
2: In my free time in the summers. Yes. When we're not in session.
1: When we're not in session, you'd hang out with the chickens and turkeys.
2: Yeah.
0: And you're also a lawyer, aren't you?
2: Yes. Yeah, no, so I was a lawyer in D.C. for over 20 years, working for the Securities and Exchange Commission and the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority.
0: Wow.
1: And I think that will come up again later in our show. It certainly came up on the debate about cannabis on the House floor.
0: I believe it will. Mm -hmm. So, yes, folks, get very excited, because we are about to talk about S54, which is the Tax and Regulate Marijuana or Cannabis uh legislation that has moved through the Senate, it's passed the Senate, it's gone, it passed the House, and it's now in conference committee, correct?
2: Um well it goes back to the Senate. The Senate has to decide um either to accept the bill as is, um, to amend it, or to seek a conference committee with the House.
1: And you might be surprised to hear this, John, but last night Olga and I were at a legislative meet and greet function for millennials. And Senator White, who is the chair of GovOps in the Senate, I know you know that part, John, I'm telling our listeners, (laughs) was um, fairly clear that a conference committee is the next step.
2: That is what I anticipate.
1: Indeed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. uh, Senator Jeanette White, who is one one, one of two senators for Wyndham County, for those who don't know, has been working on the cannabis issue for about six years now.
1: Some would say 15, but yes, six formally.
0: (laughs) 50, who knows? And uh, I was at the same event that Emily was at last night, and I pulled Jeanette aside, and I said, so what are some of your thoughts on the bill as it came out of the House? And she, um, unfortunately, the recording had too much background noise, so I couldn't play that for you today, guys. But um, she had a lot to say on it. And what I will repeat is... Is that um, she feels the Senate created a very streamlined bill that only looked at tax taxes and regulation. And then the House has kind of gone and cluttered it up. So and put in a bunch of other things that don't really need to be there. So that is that's uh, the point of view of one one person from the Senate. Uh, for you, John, what has your process been? with this legislation? Was it something that you were on board with right away? Is it something that you came to a new understanding on? Kind of, what what was your journey? What brought you to cannabis, John?
2: <laughs> uh, no, no, it's interesting. I, I've actually played, um, uh, you know, obviously a more significant role with respect to S54, uh, but I also was involved with the, the original legalization um, that passed the House um, in 2018. Um, You know, in that case, I made some amendments to, you know, put more consumer protection in there. For example, not allowing cannabis to be grown or smoked in a home-based child care facility. Um, So, you know, my focus comes from, you know, a regulatory standpoint and from consumer protection, because I think those are very important. And while Senator White may think that we... Um, put a lot into the bill, Um, I I think what we did is that um, we put a lot more consumer protection um, in the bill, which I think is important for verbonters, because the thing that regulation does is ensure or help ensure that people um, are getting a product um, that is pure, um, that is not going to leave to heavy use, and is going to protect our children. And I think we've attempted to accomplish all three of those things um, in the amendments we made to the Senate version of the bill.
1: One thing that I've um, really appreciated through this process, John, in addition to your incredible attention to detail and expertise and how you led on this issue, um, has been how different the perspective of Wyndham County has been to, and the experience of Wyndham County legislators through this process has been to, I think, so many of our colleagues throughout the state. And I was sort of simultaneously getting notes from pages um, to vote no on the bill because it didn't go far enough. All my colleagues sitting right next to me in committee were getting requests to vote no because the bill went too far. And so I just want to, before we sort of step in, I want to just read this sort of first paragraph that I've sent out via email a couple dozen times now and I think really speaks to, I think, why we added all of these extra pieces to the legislation and why it's really a Vermont specific piece of regulation that we're trying to put in place so we voted overwhelmingly in support of s54 an act relating to the regulation of cannabis and i voted yes because i believe this legislation lays the groundwork for a cannabis industry that reflects vermont values which is local ownership small farms and a strong quality brand and i'm proud of the careful provisions that specifically ensure that historically marginalized populations can access the market equitably as well as other specific provisions that bring transparency and limit consolidation in the market. And so I think a bill that was too simple would really, um, wouldn't have those protections for the Vermont brand, for small farmers, and to prevent consolidation in a way that um, is in line with interstate commerce laws. Mm -hmm. And so I think all the work that happened on the House side is really it's about consumer protection and about protection of folks that are selling um, to protect the industry so it can sort of go the way of Vermont microbreweries and Vermont cheese and sort of all of those other value-added products that we do so carefully and so well here.
0: Mm-hmm. John, I'm curious, for for you, wh- what's your take on the what Emily just said with the Vermont brand and creating a Vermont industry and, and one reason I ask is because we are bordered by some states that have already started their own uh, cannabis industry and, and so how, how do you think we struck that balance point between creating something that is very uniquely Vermont but also uh, acknowledging that it's part of a bigger system or eventually will be part of a bigger system?
2: Well, it may be part of a bigger system, but right now, because of, you know, federal law, you know, each state is sort of a um, island onto itself with respect to cannabis regulation. Um, so, but I think what Emily said is absolutely correct. I mean, we focused on making sure um, that small growers, um, small retailers um, receive prioritization in the bill. And we also put in, you know, uh, you know, regulations that we think will prevent, you know, larger corporations um, from monopolizing um, the Vermont cannabis industry. And and I do hope that that we do follow the craft um, brewery, craft distillery um, model that exists in Vermont today. I think that would be wonderful. And I think that if there is federal legalization, um, having that model in place um, will be important for um, expanding um, the business beyond Vermont when and if
0: that happens. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it really position by crafting a very specific industry here with its own specific flavor and attitude, Mm -hmm. um, I think we're going to be positioning ourselves very well if and when this gets legalized on the national level because we will have differentiated ourselves. We will have a solid enough industry that, you know, outside capital... um, will be protected from that a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious. You know, right now, past legislation has left Vermont a little bit in a gray area. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Understatement of the day.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, how will this legislation, if it finally completely passes, um, uh uh, mitigate that kind of gray area
1: john before you answer that and i look forward to your answer on that i just want to name that the debate within the house was very much kept on going back and forth between people who seem to have forgotten that cannabis was already legal in vermont (laughs) and thought that we were somehow legalizing cannabis Ah. and folks who say we're in this gray area and it's not You know, it's not necessarily good for most people. And so we're doing this to sort of further regulate something that's already legal. And so that was a really interesting conversation. And I think Windham County legislators were really sort of leading that conversation, um, you know, with me saying very casually, like everyone in my whole county stoned all the time. And other people, you know, saying it a little more gently or softly. But like, you know, the cat's out of the bag, people. What we're trying to do is, you know, make this a safe option. Mm -hmm. So, John, how do we make it safe?
2: How do we make it safe? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, we did a number of different things to make it safe. I mean, I think we're the first state to um, limit or prohibit, um, you know, uh, potency issues. For example, cannabis, flour can't be greater than 30% THC. Concentrates can't be greater than 60% THC. Um, No flavored vapes or flour. Um, And, you know, cannabis products can't be combined with nicotine or alcohol beverages, Um, And I think all those things are are things that only Vermont's done, um, and I think they're important restrictions um, to prevent heavy use um, of cannabis. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, when I read the legislation, I found that that really interesting, that decision to not allow it to be combined with other substances like nicotine and, and alcohol.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I think some other states may do that, but um, the, the limits on THC are important. Another thing that we did is we're going to have the Cannabis um, Control Commission Board, um, you know, look at whether CBD or a certain percentage of CBD should be included in cannabis products. I mean, there's some evidence out there um, that shows that having CBD in cannabis um, Reduces the potential for, you know, psychosis, um, and also uh, reduces, you know, the quote-unquote high from THC.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
2: And you know, it'd be interesting to see how the Cannabis Control Board pursues that, um, because I think that that's something that, as you see how cannabis has changed over the last couple decades, I mean, it, it has had a higher and higher concentrate of THC. In a lower and lower concentration of CBD.
0: Oh, interesting. So um, for folks who don't know, either Emily or John, would you quickly, in a nutshell, explain what the the Cannabis Board is?
2: Sure. The, the Cannabis Control Board is going to be an independent commission uh, made up of three full-time members um, who will be responsible for licensing and the regulation of um, and enforcement of regulations uh, with respect to the cannabis industry
0: so is it kind so of like do, oh sorry go ahead
2: you know they'll be writing rules around licensing financial disclosure security lab testing health and safety labeling um, and, and you know training and see-to-sale tracking
0: and this is sim- we have something similar in Vermont around alcohol too don't we have a, a liquor board or a liquor Commission or is that just around licensing
2: No, we do. We have a liquor and lottery um, board um, that regulates both um, liquor and lottery. It's slightly different because in Vermont, we're what's called a control state, which means that the state of Vermont actually distributes liquor, not beer and wine, but liquor, Mm -hmm. um, from its own storage to liquor stores around the state.
1: And at the beginning... um I think way back in the beginning of this debate around cannabis there was talk about maybe having it have the cannabis industry be controlled similarly to the liquor industry mm-hmm. and quickly realized that that would mean that state employ we would be requiring state employees to distribute something that is illegal on the federal level oh,
0: which interesting. Um, is interesting
1: yep. is a terrible idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I I can see all sorts of train wrecks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that model would have
2: have a lot of risks involved with
0: it. Well, one thing I have found is I've been covering cannabis um, for, you know, the past couple years. And, and I don't know if you experienced this when you were building the legislation, but there's still a lot of unknowns around cannabis, because it has been sort of under the radar for so long. Did that make it harder to build the legislation? Because were you operating a little bit in a vacuum or?
2: Well, no, you're right. I mean, there's only a handful of states that have, you know, legalized the adult use of cannabis. Um, But you know, we had the opportunity to learn from the mistakes that some of those states made. You know, for example, Colorado had huge problems with edibles. Um, but they're allowing them to be sold in very high concentrations of THC, you know, to be marketed, um, or I should say, products developed that were very appealing to children, you know, such as gummy bears. Um, And so we could learn a lot from what other states did um, to improve our own legislation. So I I think we did that, Um, but, you know, it's still early in cannabis regulation, Um, You know, we've seen some hiccups around the country with respect to um, reducing the black market Um, It'll be very interesting to see how we do um, with respect to that But as with any piece of legislation, I I anticipate that in future years We'll we'll see changes as we see how the cannabis market develops in Vermont
1: One piece of um, One study that I heard you bring up quite a few times John was the idea that Adolescent use seems to have gone down in states that have created a legal regulatory regime around this. Oh, interesting. And that makes a lot of sense to me, sort of on the surface, because something that's available on the gray market um, is very easy to obtain. You know, if everyone's neighbor is growing some and um, everyone's sort of parent has some on the shelf or whatever it is, it's just very easy for those products to move. But when the sale of a product is sort of even as regulated as tobacco you need to show ID um, It becomes much harder for youth to obtain
2: Yeah, no, Emily's absolutely right there um, there's um, been a study that was done in both Carol Colorado and Washington State, which showed reduction of cannabis use by teens. And, and I think our bill is, is very strong with respect to underage use. Um, you know, no one under the age of 21 can even go into a cannabis establishment. Um, that's not true for alcohol or cigarettes. Um, you know, you know, we're not, you know, the cannabis establishments can't develop products that are appealing um, to children. Uh, and I think, you know, we've, re, you know, dealt with the edible issue, which impacted children in that, you know, the the total amount of THC that can be in any package can not be more than 50 milligrams, and each serving has to be five milligrams or less, which Mm -hmm. I think addresses some of the problems that they had in Colorado.
1: And then also, um, there was some provisions around advertising as well, right? Yes. Mm, And
2: where we ended up after a floor amendment is advertising is banned.
0: Oh, really? Like completely yeah. no newspapers, no signs in the windows of stores, right. no flyers in the, the post office?
2: Well, the, you know, they can have a, a sign flyers over their the business. Post- but... I, I meant
0: the mailed flyers. <laughs> I uh, I couldn't think of what they were called. Sorry, what, what were you saying?
2: <laughs> yeah, they can have a sign outside their store, but that's about it. Um, you know, we originally in the bill um, were preventing, you know, obviously ads that appeal to, to children, but also the ads... Um, would only be allowed where the licensee, the cannabis licensee, can prove that no more than 15% of viewers will be under the age of 21, Mm -hmm. which is pretty restrictive. Um, There's some constitutional issues around a ban of advertising, uh, but, you know, the Supreme Court um, hasn't chimed in on this, and so there's still some room um, to argue as to how far you can go with banning advertising.
1: And since there's already a federal ban on cannabis, it felt like having something, you know, else it's complicated on the federal level thrown into it seemed <laughs> less difficult than if it was some other issue that, the, you know, is not so controversial.
0: So we are going to go to break in about five minutes. So before we do that, John or Emily, let's just do a quick uh, summary for listeners what this bill does and what it doesn't do. That's you, John.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Punned>. <laughs> So we've already talked about consumer protections, um, and we've also, you know, talked about advertising. Um, you know, I think we've talked about, you know, encouraging small businesses. Um, so I think that's that's done. I mean, one of the things we haven't mentioned is, you know, local control um, voters and Cities and towns around Vermont will be able to vote to allow cannabis retailers, but only cannabis retailers. Other types of licensees, growers, product developers, wholesalers, um, towns won't be able to keep them out. That's in part to hopefully reduce the black market. You know, cannabis retailer is really only going to be the the new kid on the block, um, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing we've done is set up local um, cannabis control commissions, very similar to local Liquor or, um, or alcohol um, commissions, um, so that the, you know towns will have some say as to, you know how, you know cannabis establishments can operate within their boundaries. Um, you know we have strong environmental protections. Um, you know cannabis establishments must meet, you know all state, federal, and local environmental, energy, and public health laws, including municipal regulation and zoning. I, I know some small farmers don't like that, um, but we thought it was important. Um, given some of the environmental concerns with cannabis growing um, that we heard about that those land use provisions be in place. Um, The other thing I just mentioned is, you know, I think there's been a lot of discussion about um, a roadside saliva tests. And just so so everybody understands, any saliva test that is out there today, whether it's conducted at the roadside or not, only can tell you if you have cannabis in your system. It does not show impairment. So Mm -hmm. we focused on where you could show impairment which is, you know, developing, you know, training for law enforcement officers so that they're better able to detect impairment, and I'd be glad to talk a lot more about that later. And I think the last thing I just cover is where we ended up on taxes: is fourteen percent cannabis excise tax and a Vermont six percent sales tax that will be dedicated to after-school programming.
0: Thank you for that summary, John. And just quickly, um, this. S, uh, 54 is just about, for lack of a better term, recreational marijuana. It doesn't touch the medical dispensaries or anything like that. The
1: medical dispensaries are exactly as they were, um, and don't have the same restrictions on potency because Mm -hmm. medical marijuana sometimes needs to be more potent than recreational marijuana. So, um, and just to build on one piece of what John said about there's sort of regulations on, um, retail sales and growing and processing and distributing that those are all separate licenses and they're all set up to match the scale at which they're being done at. And so a small scale grower has a different licensing, will have a different licensing regime than a large scale grower. Okay. Um, And the same for a small scale retail establishment versus a large scale retail establishment. So that's both licensing fees and the level of regulation that they'd be held to. And no one can hold more than one license in any category. Interesting. And so this is really meant to happen at Vermont scale.
0: And what about at one point there had been a 1% option tax that local communities, did that go away? Is that still?
2: Uh, That went away. Okay. Um, I assume that is something that will be touched upon in conference committee with the Senate.
0: But Brattleboro already
1: has our 1% option tax on sale, you know, our sales tax, and mm-hmm. so that would be applied to cannabis as well as part of the sales tax. Gotcha. And any community yep. that has a 1% option tax. Um, Wilmington does as well? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so both of those communities would be adding that 1% to cannabis sales if they had a retail establishment. Okay.
0: Well, thank you, uh, Representative Emily Kornheiser. Thank you, John Gannon from Wilmington. We are going to hear from a few of our underwriters in return... In A On that note, we are back with the Montpelier Happy Hour here on WVEW LP Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station and something we haven't told viewers in the longest time, Emily,
1: the views
0: and opinions on this
1: show are those of the guests and hosts and not of the radio station.
0: I know. We haven't been telling them that for a while. I hope they didn't forget. They might (laughs) have. They might
1: have. They might (laughs) have.
0: Well, for those who are just tuning in, I am your host, Olga Peters. Representative Emily Kornheiser is in the studio with me, and on the phone is Representative John Gannon from Wilmington. How are you, John? Good. Great,
2: Olga.
0: (laughs) I, I hope you enjoyed listening to the commercials, if you could still hear them.
2: No, I could. They're
0: nice. So we are talking about S54, which is the tax and regulate cannabis in Vermont bill that has moved through the Senate. It has moved through the House. More than likely, we think it's going to end up in conference committee. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, But it is one step closer to becoming law and one step closer to having a regulated cannabis market in Vermont. Emily, talk to me a little bit about how all this fits in or does not fit in with um, some of the work you've been doing around equity and ethics and and justice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so criminal justice reform and the war on
1: drugs is a big part of the national conversation around legalizing cannabis and that for the most part in most places where cannabis is legalized and taxed, that most of the profits are going to white men. Um, And that's problematic for a variety of reasons, Um, primarily because most of the punishment and the impact of cannabis being illegal has sat on communities of color. Mm -hmm. And that is certainly true in Vermont. What we've also seen in Vermont over the last 25 50 years how long of people who knows how long people have been um, enjoying cannabis in vermont that the cannabis industry in vermont has also been really the growing and the selling has been mostly rural poor folk Mm -hmm. um, who are doing this to sort of really make ends meet keep the farm essentially yeah Um, we know that milk doesn't pay and (laughs) we does does. and so wanted to make sure that as we take this step into legalization that both folks who have specific people who have experienced penalties from growing in the past within Vermont um, are able to enter this market and that historically disenfranchised populations who have, sort of su- who have suffered the impacts of criminalization are able to benefit from this new market. And so there's two really key pieces of that from my perspective, and I'd love to hear more about it from your perspective, John. Um, so from my perspective, the first one is that while background checks are required um, for, as part of the regulatory process, A lot of that is around um, sort of more what you would do a background check with the SEC for Mm -hmm. to really check to make sure that the money is sort of moving in the right places. Having criminal charges in your past related to cannabis is perfectly fine. Oh, okay. Um, And so that's we really want to make sure that folks are moving out of the black market and moving into the regulatory market. And the folks, partly because... The folks who have the skills to do this well we want them to be part of it to like you know teach everyone how to grow well mm-hmm. teach everyone how the market works we have people who already know how to do this and do this well and we want to make sure that they're teaching all of us and that they're able to profit from it um, and so that's sort of the very specific piece of that more broadly we've put in some pieces around um license applicants being able um, especially historically marginalized populations having a um, sort of extra points on their licenses so if there's competition they'd be more likely to be the ones who got a license if there's sort of a limited number of licenses going around Mm -hmm. and technical assistance that the agency of commerce um, or the agency of agriculture might offer would go to those populations first. Mm-hmm. So that's really exciting. It's exciting for this cannabis industry specifically. I think it's also really exciting as we look more broadly at how we want to grow Vermont's economy, to think right. about how we want to bring historically disenfranchised populations into our economy, to think about how we want to might prioritize grants, technical assistance, or licensing to those populations to really raise their profile within
0: the economy. So. Those are the two pieces of that for me that feel really good. And and for you, John, anything similar around the issues of equity and, and supporting traditionally marginalized communities?
2: Yeah, no, I think Emily mentioned some of the more important social justice provisions that are in the bill. And I just want to emphasize, you know, if you have a criminal conviction um, for a nonviolent drug crime, that cannot prevent you from getting a license. I repeat that. It can't prevent you. Um, and if you have any sort of criminal conviction, you, even if you do, you have to be a present danger to the regulated market in order for a license to be denied. So if there's something you know, that you did 10 years ago or something, that is unlikely to have any impact on you getting a license. I mean, there has to be some connection that you, you're going to endanger the regulated market today um, for you to have your license put into question. Um, you know, the other things that we've done with the bill is we have an advisory committee um, made up of 14 members, um, two of whom um, will have a background in systemic social justice and equity issues, and another with an expertise in women and minority-owned minority businesses. Um, Emily mentioned that there's training um, that's prioritized uh, based on social justice and equity, or if you're a women or minority-owned business uh, in a Vermonter, uh, you will get priority Um, for training, uh, to build a business plan, as well as priority for obtaining a license. Um, And also the Cannabis Control Commission is supposed to come up with a a training and employment program um, for those um, who may be economically disadvantaged or, or have been disproportionately impacted by cannabis prohibition.
0: Thank you, John. So I want to pivot just a little bit because you used that word prohibition, which i suspect for many people in the community they may be still sitting there going oh but prohibition is the way to go Mar- you know cannabis marijuana bad why do we want to tax and regulate this what is do you have a response for for people who may still be feeling a little nervous about about this legislation
2: sure i have two two responses first um, when we pro- prohibition for alcohol, you know, when, when we change that, how well did that work? It worked for 13 years as a massive failure. Um, what did it lead to? It led to organized crime controlling um, the alcohol market in the United States. It contributed to many deaths from very high alcohol content products. Um, so I think we've learned that prohibition of a product is um, Similar to cannabis or alcohol, is just not going to work. Uh, the other thing I would say is, well, I know a lot of people are worried about cannabis. Uh, cannabis is a much safer drug than alcohol for a number of different ways. It's less addictive. No one has died from cannabis. Um, you can't say those. You can't say that about alcohol. There are Certainly unfortunately not. a lot of alcohol deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know, in many ways, it is a safer product. Um, You know, it still needs to be controlled, um, you know, because um, it is a federally prohibited product. There has not been a lot of scientific research that's been done with respect to the product in recent years, Mm -hmm. Um, so there's still stuff to be learned with respect to hopefully opening up scientific research, Um, but I really think that we should go back and look at what happened with the prohibition of alcohol and see what that led to. I think what you're going to see with what we've done with the regulation uh, and taxation of cannabis that we're going to hopefully eliminate the black market, make sure that organized crime does not get a foothold in Vermont with respect to this product, um, and um, you know, make sure we're, we're delivering a product um, that's safe um, for people who want to use it.
1: I would encourage listeners if they want to dive deeper into this idea around. Um, prohibition not working to go back to the month that we spent discussing legislating morality yes and how well that generally goes Um, and I think we spent one on drug use particularly we
0: spent one on on drug use and then we also in some ways I think this is even more pertinent to the conversation we talked about um, decriminalizing sex work Mm -hmm. which I think most people would realize is as a black market goes, Mm -hmm. very dangerous for a lot of people. Absolutely. So John thinking of John and Emily, I'm thinking of the different communities that you represent and you know, John being in, in Wilmington, you represent a community that has a much more transient tourist population um, and Emily, I know Brattleboro is the gateway to Vermont. To Vermont, but <laughs> I had to think for a minute. Which state are we in? Um, but not not in the same numbers that I mean, Wilmington in a weekend and Dover in a weekend. Their population really it's not the swells. same proportion.
1: Yeah, of our population absolutely it swells
0: and contracts. So I'm I'm wondering, have you heard John from your constituents about? Gee, we're not sure how this cannabis industry is going to fit in with. Um, our industry here, or or are they really excited? They're like woohoo, new market to market to the tourists.
2: Uh, I think you hear both views. I mean, you know, I talked to our local uh, liquor store owner um, uh, on town meeting day, and he's very excited because he's already put an addition on his building, um, waiting for you know cannabis regulation um, to take effect. Um, So, he's excited about it. I think some of the people uh, who are, um, you know, in the drug prevention area are more concerned about that, Um, but I think you just need to have a conversation with people like that to make sure that they understand um, what's in the bill and what we've attempted to do um, to make sure that, you know, children are protected and consumers are protected. I think you know unfortunately a lot of people um, get a, a gloss of the bill from various advocacy groups that really doesn't go into the, the detail of the bill and I, I think that's a problem it's a very complex and detailed bill and you know it's it's hard to have to say is have you read the bill rather than just the one pager that some advocacy group gave you but it worries me that there's a lot of misinformation on this bill
1: I agree um, I've been really on the topic of tourism, I, an advocate actually suggested to me at the beginning of the summer and asked me if I'd been to any of the stores in Massachusetts. And I said, no, I don't smoke marijuana. I don't, like, why would I go down to a <laughs> store in Massachusetts to go look <laughs> at it? Um, and then I realized, like, oh, no, I could, like, get a felt experience of what this might be like. And so over the summer, I visited three different stores in Massachusetts, one in Greenfield, one in the Berkshires, and one in Northampton, and was really struck by the different feel of each one. Hmm. Um, And the Berkshires is, you know, a tourism valley in the same way that I think both Wilmington and Brattleboro experience. And it still felt very sort of in line with what else was going on in the community. Um, I think a lot about there's certain weekends or a certain hour, there's a certain hour when the beer delivery comes to the co-op, I think, here, um, that if you've never been there, it's really worth being there around that time because folks drive up from Massachusetts and by cases and cases of Vermont microbrews that are not distributed past the border. And it's really it's sort of a fascinating thing to think about what, you know, to think about what that Vermont brand of cannabis is going to look like um, and ways we're going to distinguish ourselves and what what that might look like for tourism. Mm -hmm. I know that there are some um, there were some members of our caucus um, who maybe just one who was really disappointed that we we're not going to have delivery, and that we also are not allowing people to smoke in public. Um, and I think that both of those, well, I understand why someone might want this to be you know, everywhere available. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the fact that we've regulated those two pieces for now is will stem some of the concerns in a tourist community about how overtaken the community might be. Mm-hmm. I know that, um, during this year's CBD harvest, I smelled marijuana everywhere I went for a few weeks. You know, mm-hmm. like driving down dirt roads as it was being harvested. I smelled it. I could it, smell. It's kind of like when they're spreading the manure gro- on it's the field. Just like yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> um, you know, like ne- someone next to me in the grocery store clearly had just been working at a harvest, and so that's that was sort of an interesting piece, and then realize that... So, John, the plot size for cannabis is so small, right? Like, the amount of cannabis we're actually going to need to saturate the market means these really small plot sizes. So, that kind of sort of, you know, marijuana everywhere that I think people experience in Northern California during harvest and that um, CBD harvest felt like here, I don't think will be happening here. Mm -hmm. What's the plot size, John?
2: I don't think we'll have that problem. I mean, we heard testimony that in order to capture the demand for adult use of cannabis um, in Vermont, it would take 250 acres. So you can imagine that that could be accomplished in a single town. Um, that's unlikely to happen. Um, but, you know, I think people who are worried about, you know, grow houses, uh, you know, or, or facilities popping up all over rural Vermont, I, I really don't think that's going to happen. Um, California is a different, a different animal altogether. Um, if you want to you know, poster child for how not to regulate cannabis. California is it. Um, they have a huge black market um, that exports. Um, so hopefully we won't see the same problems um, that California had.
0: So, John, we have just about five minutes left. You mentioned earlier that there's a lot of misconceptions floating around about this legislation. Are there any you want to clear up before?
2: Well, I think Emily and I have touched on one that I think is really important, is we have prioritized small businesses, whether it's a small grower or a small retailer. Um, and I think there's a lot of misconceptions um, that, you know, large businesses are going to be able to take over this market. Um, you know, first of all, we're, we're as I said, we're prioritizing small businesses, um, but we also have anti-monopoly provisions in the legislation, which is going to make it very difficult um, for a single entity um, to control more than one type of license. For example, you can only hold one retail license. That's it, which only allows you one retail establishment. You can only have one grower license, which allows you to have one grow facility. And and that provision is applicable to each type of license we have. Now, you can hold five different types of licenses, um, but, you you're only going to have one retail location that you're you're authorized to have. So I think we've done that. Um, we have provisions in there. Thanks Wait, for the before, work of Emily be- and you the jump Commerce from there,
1: Committee. John, before you jump from there, yep. I just want to highlight what you were saying about the anti-monopoly provisions. So there was a moment on the floor when we were discussing the anti-monopoly provisions where someone said... Well, how do you know that this will prevent monopoly, like all of this disclosure? Like, how, and he's like, well, I was an SEC regulator for a dozen years. That's how I know. And the whole sort of like there was a hush that fell over the body for a minute. Like, oh, OK, he won that debate. That was good. We're done. We're going to move on. It was beautiful. Well done, John.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at public companies. There's not a lot of organized crime or, or you know, monopoly control.
1: Because you can, um, there's sunlight shining all over them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Sorry, continue on. I'm sorry, I interrupted you.
2: No, I mean, so I, I mean, I think you know, there, there's the, the monopoly provisions in there. So I think that is a big misconception. Um, you know, I think you know, some small farmers are worried by the fact that land use provisions um, apply, um, but I think you know, you know, if that is a, a huge concern concern i haven't really heard a strong articulation of why that is so much of a concern other than it just is we want it regulated as hemp um you know but it can't be regulated as hemp um you know because this is a product that's going to be consumed um, by individuals um it it has to be treated differently um but you know can i dive into that part a
1: little bit Um, Because I've talked to a lot of farmers about this, and I think this is one of the misconceptions that are really important for me to address here. So it's not listed as an agricultural product, very specifically because of tax law. Mm -hmm. And so we want to make sure that people who are just growing cannabis aren't subject to things like current use provisions, which basically exempt you from all property taxes. Um, That's an exaggeration, but shorthand. Um, Are subject to all of the environmental regulations that we really exempt a lot of farmers from in order to make farming more possible in vermont we have Mm -hmm. so many ways for farmers to opt out of taxation and regulation so that we can really support our farming industry and we wanted to make sure that the very specific land that's being used to grow cannabis is subject to all of that that doesn't mean that a farmer can't have all the rest of their land in regular farm use and subject to agricultural provisions but the one small plot that is used for cannabis would not be part of that sort of farming regime. And a piece of where I think a lot of escalation happened around this was this idea that the agricultural committee never had possession of the bill. Uh okay. But most committees who made change in the bill and looked at the bill never officially had possession. We got to. Um, sort of get it's called a drive-by casually in the state house but my committee never officially i know so awkward Sounds awful. like lo- losing herself <laughs> over here um but my committee never had official possession of the bill but we spent an entire week working on it and mm-hmm. added quite a bit of language that made it into the final bill and so they certainly were fully aware of what was happening and had an opportunity to opt to, you know, add to the conversation significantly. It wasn't like this just happened in one room with a closed door. Like everyone in the entire state house had a piece of this.
2: Yeah. No, I think this bill was more vetted than any other bill, at least in my, my four years there. Um, it's been more vetted. I mean, a lot of the committees um, took a look at various provisions in the bill um, and, you know, had. ability to have a lot of input into what was happening. So I I mean, it it was not just government operations solely doing that. And I think that is one of the differences between the House version of the bill and the Senate version that did not occur in the Mm -hmm.
0: Senate. Bringing it full circle. So, John, we're just about out of time, um, and I can let you go. But was there anything you wanted to add or wish we had asked before?
2: Um, No, I think we've covered most everything in the bill. Um, um, But, you know, I'm looking forward to working with the Senate, and hopefully we can reach a a compromise um, at the end of the day because I think regulating cannabis is critically important to Vermont.
1: How about you, Emily? I um, wanted to get from John because I want to make sure the number that I have written down here is correct. What are we expecting the total tax revenue from this will be?
2: Total tax revenue um, by fiscal year 2024 should be a little over – it should be about $10.5 million.
1: Thank you very much, because I think um, – Which is know.
2: when when the cannabis market will be really up and running.
0: And just for context, can do you have an example of another part of Vermont's budget that might bring in that much taxes? Or, like, just to give people – context no I don't uh, John, do you, John I don't really? either uh,
2: uh, but just you know just to sort of you know it, so we anticipate by 2024 that you know revenue into the state this is total revenue from cannabis not tax revenue will be over 60 million dollars. Uh, if you look at Colorado and Massachusetts, for examples of, of you know economic impact, um, there's 41,000 people employed in Colorado in the cannabis industry. Um, Massachusetts, which just went legal in 2019, there's already 6,000 people employed in the cannabis industry. Um, I think this can have a significant economic impact on the state. Um, and I think that's something which we didn't focus on on the floor of the House when we were debating it, um, but it's something for people to keep in mind.
0: So are you allowed... Uh- Says the the girl who's going to be a little cheeky here. Are you allowed to slip one more thing into the bill, which is that whoever works in the cannabis in, can, can what are, what are we the talking about? The cannabis industry. Thank you, Emily. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I kept wanting to say canapes. Um, that they have to go to the Joint Fiscal Office every year and see what the livable wage is in Vermont, and that has to be the minimum wage. So okay. there
1: is actually oh. <laughs> Priority. Um, when we talked about that prioritization for licenses uh-huh. and technical assistance and all of that around certain categories around social justice, wages is one of them.
2: Yeah. And benefits.
1: Mm-hmm. Well done. Yeah. No, it's, and I'm, I, you know, I'm really happy for Wyndham County that we're gonna legalize cannabis, that's great. Mm -hmm. Everyone can have their weed, everyone can get the money from it, I think that's great. I'm also really excited for the economic justice pieces of this bill and that a number of committees got comfortable talking about things like this to carry some of these provisions into other issues and other sectors of our economy that I think they're um, very needed. And so that's my big takeaway from all of this.
0: Love it. So excited about that. So Emily, you and I are having a meeting after the show today. We are indeed. We are indeed. So what's going to be our celebratory drink since, you know, it looks like this this legislation, S54, may may pave the way for wonderful things in Vermont? I don't
1: think that either of us are going to be smoking anything because neither of us really like that, even though I believe that the previous person with the show, <laughs> with, it, with the jazz show right before us, um, does enjoy partaking. I, Since the sun came out a few days ago, I am back on the tequila. I'm like, I go, uh-huh. the second the sun comes out, I pretend that it is like fully the middle of summer and just want to like lie in a snowbank sunning myself and drinking <laughs> tropical drinks. So that's me.
0: Okay. I need something with citrus. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I want something grapefruity and citrusy. Ooh, Campari. <gasps> Campari. Okay. When we go to our meeting. Mm-hmm. John, it is the Montpelier happy hour, so often we talk about what
1: cocktail is hot for us this week and wonder if uh, you have anything that you've been enjoying over our town meeting
0: break?
2: Uh, no, not, not, not nothing significant. Okay. Just uh, good, good Vermont beers
0: indeed that works mm-hmm. by the way how is the happy hour legislation going since happy hour is technically illegal in vermont i think that's in your opinion. i don't know oh we may have to find out okay well hey john representative john gannon from wilmington thank you so much for joining us on the happy hour today oh thank you i'm glad thank you emily thank you and to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in today. We will be back at 2pm next Friday to be talking about more things in Montpelier and how they shake out for Wyndham County. I am your host Olga Peters and Emily Kornheiser.
1: If anyone wants to find me, you can find me at emilykornheiser.org ecornheiser at gmail.com ecornheiser at ledge.state.vt.us I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well as in the Brattleboro Co-op Cafe every Saturday at 11 a.m. for office hours. Just come and chat about cannabis or anything else that feels meaningful to you today.
0: We shall see you next week. Have a great weekend, everybody.